Hello, dedicated parents, educators, and all champions of children's well-being. Welcome back to Unveiling a New View to Parenting. I'm your host, Nikki, and today we're diving deep into a topic that's crucial in today's ever-changing world, resilience. In an age of instant gratification, digital distractions, and varied challenges, how do we equip our young ones with the emotional strength and coping mechanisms to not just survive, but thrive? To shed light on this vital subject, we have our seasoned child development coach who has dedicated years to understanding the intricacies of emotional resilience in children and has empowered countless families with strategies to foster it. Dr. Leonor Avila is a passionate advocate about child development, promoting positive mental health in parents and children, and supporting parents in caring for and raising confident and resilient children. So let's embark on this journey to discover the building blocks of resilience and how we can lay them brick by brick for our children. Leonor, welcome to our podcast today. So glad to have you. Thank you. Thank you, Nikki. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Our and, first, you know. Absolutely. Our first question to set the foundation, can you explain what are the developmental domains that are part of early childhood development? Yes, definitely. And Nikki, this is such a great question. One of the most amazing aspects of working with this age range has to do with how fast the brain is developing during this moment in time. So there's so much brain development going on. Their neur neural networks are being formed at a super fast speed. And the neural connections in the brain are the basis for all thought communication and learning. They're established most rapidly in early childhood. So this really is a fascinating stage where we see so much growth and early brain development has a lasting impact on the child's ability to learn and succeed in school and life. In early childhood development, there are several recognized developmental domains. So first is the physical developmental domain, which includes cross motor skills like crawling, walking, running, and fine motor skills like grasping objects or using utensils. Children are developing their coordination, their balance, their strength, and their overall physical abilities during this stage. And I'm sure you've seen it in, in your children too. And I've, I saw it in, in my own uh, daughter. As they explore their world, they realize, oh, I have these muscles now. I can move around. I can explore. So yeah, that's a physical development domain. Next comes the cognitive development domain. And this refers to the mental processes and abilities of a child. It includes things like language acquisition, memory development, problem solving skills, attention span, and the ability to think and reason. It's like when their kids are learning cause and effect, and I'm sure you've seen this in their little ones. If, if I push this, what will happen? If I throw this to the floor, I mean, they're learning gravity and they're exploring. So yes, cognitive development. Next comes the social and emotional development domain. And this focuses on how children begin to interact and form relationships with others and how they experience, express, and manage their own emotions, as well as uh, responding to the emotions of others. So children start to gain an understanding of who they are, what they're feeling, and how they interact with other people. Next is the language and communication developmental domain, which includes the child's ability to both understand what's being communicated to them and also to express themselves verbally. And language development starts in infancy with sounds and gestures, eventually develops into words and complete sentences as children get older. And children start to understand and use words, gestures, and nonverbal communication to express their needs, 
thoughts and emotions. And we see this in the early stages when they're learning to say a few words, to communicate what they want. And when we see them suddenly forming sentences and that obviously gets us very excited. Uh -huh. Then comes the, the adaptive developmental domain. So this would be the, the last domain, which involves the acquisition of self-help skills and independence in daily activities. So it's like when we see our kids, they're learning to feed themselves, to dress with minimal assistance. Yes, they're struggling to put on that, that button, but we know it's, it's all about the, the learning, right? Using the, the bathroom, the toilet, and performing other tasks that just contribute to their self-care and independence. Oh, gosh. Wow. I mean, th this is it just adds to the understanding of why toddlers are a little complicated and not as black and white as it, as they could be. As us adults, we sometimes think they might, you know, they, there's just so many, many phases they go through. Um, and I'm sure ups and downs um, as they're they're transitioning from one domain to another, just like life is, you know, it's filled with ups and downs. Um, so how can parents and caregivers help children navigate disappointments, failures, and challenges in a way that strengthens their emotional core, you think? Oh, well, this is a great question because we as parents, we obviously, we want the best for our children, right? We want to protect them. We want to nurture them. We want to give them all of the opportunities for them to have a happy life. We want them to be happy, right? But we know that life is full of disappointments and therefore children, they must learn to cope with frustrations. And that may be hard for us also. So I, we can acknowledge that, that it can be hard for us to see our, our child frustrated with something. But if we jump into saving them from mm -hmm. feeling hurt or sad, we're simply not allowing them to develop those emotional skills that they will need as they grow up. So it is in our child's best, in their children's best interest to help them learn to cope with frustrations and disappointments. And because learning to manage and overcome frustrations builds resilience. And there are frustrations from the very beginning of life. For, for instance, when you're preparing a, a bottle for your baby and the baby has to wait while you prepare the bottle, or if you're preparing dinner and your toddler is super hungry, so they have to wait a little bit to get that, that food. And later as toddlers, also they... Maybe they have to wait until they can use a toy and because another child is using it. So there are several opportunities in their daily life where they can practice uh, overcoming and disappointments and failures and challenges. And some things that we can do as parents to help our child children go through disappointment or failure. First, it's really, really important for us to contain our cool, remain calm, because this will help our child feel safe. And remember that children will model how we as parents cope with frustrations too. They're like little sponges at this age. So how we manage our own frustration has a direct correlation to how successful our children will be in managing their own. So really try your best to remain calm, get your cool. No, it can be very, sometimes it can be very, very difficult if we're in the middle of a very frustrating situation with our child or if they're severely dysregulated, but we to just try our best and, and we can find strategies as to what helps you specifically, or what helps me as a parent to, to remain calm. Another thing we can do is to accept and acknowledge our child's feelings. So all feelings are valid and are okay. Research has shown that there are benefits to accepting all feelings without judging them. There is no such thing as a bad or a good feeling. And okaying the feeling helps children mm -hmm. feel valued, heard, and understood. 
And while it can be tempting to step in and try to solve your child's problems when frustrations arise, in the long term, that will simply not help our child. Children need to feel competent and capable, and it's our jobs as parents to coach them along. And what can be helpful instead is to leave space for problem solving. So we can offer help thinking up a problem through, knowing that sometimes the most effective act in helping a dysregulated or disappointed child could be a simple comforting hug that will reset the nervous system. Sometimes just a simple hug and we let their, our child know that they have been heard and validated and that we're there for them. That's sufficient to really de-escalate the, the, the situation, those strong emotions. And lastly is to continue to praise our child, our children for good efforts and good behaviors. It's so important for us to notice the positives too. And it will help them also learn how to handle and work through frustrating situations. My goodness, so much wonderful advice. <laughs> and thank you for, you know, giving us these um, tips. Can we maybe convert them to everyday practices and uh, learn from some practical examples? Um, so I guess, are there routines or habits that families can incorporate into their daily lives to naturally boost resilience in children? Yes, definitely. And this is all a, a learning a journey, right? We all, we learn through this, we learn through challenges. Definitely, it's just accepting that we're not perfect and we're not a perfect parent and that's okay. That's okay that we're really, we're doing our best to incorporate everyday practices mm -hmm. to, to help to support our child's growth and development. Now, resilience is about learning from setbacks and coming away from them with something positive. And research tells us that the single most common factor for children who develop resilience is at least one stable and committed relationship with a supported parent, a supported parent, caregiver, or other adult. So this is why our role as a parent is so, so important. And some effective parenting practices to help build resilience include, and this is something that could be easy to, to remember, CPR, consistency, predictability, routine, mm. all of these help children feel safe. It will also help them control, it feel like they're in control and it could avoid them going into full tantrum mode too. They need consistent validation, acceptance of their big emotions. They need consistent, clear expectations. Also consistency between parents' words and actions. So we need to be sure that what we say is consistent with our own actions because they're looking at us, they're watching us to see how we react. If we have a rule at home, for instance, that says we, we don't throw any food in the house, but then we suddenly throw an apple to our partner or something, <laughs> and, and it'll be confusing for, for our child, right? So we have to be careful about that consistency, to keep that consistency. And also we need to establish a consistent routine with a flexible structure. We know that, I mean, we can't be so rigid because sometimes we have to go to the grocery store at a different time that we were supposed to or things like that. We have to, we have to go to the doctor, but having a consistent routine, a daily routine will help a child feel safe. So it can start, for instance, with a wake up morning routine, having breakfast, and there could be playtime, snack time, outdoor playtime, then lunch, nap or quiet time. So these are just some ideas, but you can, create your own routine that best suits your family. 
and a predictable environment gives them a sense of safety. So that's why the predictability consistency is, is so, so important. And um, also, oh yeah, sorry. I was gonna say I'm laughing because, you know, I didn't realize uh, up until recently myself that me just throwing things um, as a basketball hoop to <laughs> throw it in the laundry hamper or just throwing the book down because I want, I'm like, you know, changing the bed sheets or anything like that. The twins were observing it and yes. then started throwing things themselves. And obviously <laughs> I got frustrated where that's coming from. And, you know, it was, it was a self-realization that you model the behavior for your children it's same thing with please thank you can't get them to say sorry please thank you which is the phase we're going through but i interrupted <laughs> you it was fantastic to hone in on that realization for a lot of parents um, but please continue yes yes no and, and thank you for for sharing there they might seem little things like in our daily routine but really i mean they they do make a difference in, in how our, our children perceive us and what's acceptable, what's not. And yes, how should I apologize? Well, it's a great thing if, if um, they hear their mommy apologizing to someone else, right? So yes, it's about us. Remember that we're their role models. And so, and with the use of positive reinforcement and noticing our positives in our in, in our children, if we see them engaging in something that we want, like a positive behavior, then we want to notice it. So great job in putting the, the towel in the hamper. I'm so proud of you. A great job in bringing the plate to the, your plate to the table. So being very specific also in that. In, in our feedback to them is very important with, with uh, small kids mm -hmm. and providing children with choices too. So this gives them a sense, this gives them a sense of self-efficacy and perceived control. Remember that our, so our toddlers, they're really, really wanting to feel that control independence. And so, con but choices for them can be something like, oh, do you, we're gonna go out to the park. Would you like to wear your blue shirt or your red shirt, right? So there are, controlled choices if we want to say it like that and they're, they're they're in that stage where like and they're craving this independence and giving them choices will help nurture their self-esteem and sense of accomplishment absolutely we've talked a lot of wonderful things about resilience right but there's also a component i think one of the domains you were mentioning um could lead to the concept of emotional intelligence which has eq has become quite um a phenomena recently in the professional world and of course you know uh, the newer generation is becoming more cognizant of eq in addition to iq as well so let's talk about that in terms of our own children how um, of course emotional intelligence and resilience go hand in hand how can we teach children to understand express and manage their emotions effectively yeah so nikki yeah this is a, another great question and just to go back to what emotional intelligence is so what it is is it's a person's ability to express and manage feelings appropriately while respecting the feelings of others it's a set of skills that children can begin learning at any age and in the past several decades studies have found that emotional intelligence provides a variety of benefits that will serve the child well throughout their their entire life for instance, individuals with higher levels of emotional intelligence are less likely to experience depression and other mental illnesses, 
And in practice, it could look like a child who can calm themselves when they're angry. This child will likely do well in difficult circumstances. It looks like a child who can express their emotions in a healthy way. This child is likely to maintain healthier relationships and a child who tends to scream or yell or say mean things when they're angry, right? So some strategies that parents can do to boost their children's emotional intelligence, first thing, labeling your child's emotions. So kids need to know and they're learning how to recognize how they're feeling. And parents can help their child by putting a name to their emotions, or at least the emotion they suspect their child is feeling. So when your child is, is upset, for instance, that they lost a game or they have to share a toy, you can say something like, oh, it looks like you're feeling really angry right now. Is that right? Or if they look sad, you might say, are you feeling sad that we are going to go to visit grandma and grandpa today? Emotional words such as angry, upset, shy, painful, sad can all build a vocabulary to express feelings. So also be sure to talk about feelings every day, like make it an inner, inner, a daily day, a routine or practice. Talk about feelings of characters in books or in characters if, if you're watching a specific TV series, just talk about how everyone is, is feeling or say if you're in the car, just talk about feelings in general. And next, another strategy is validating feelings and showing empathy. So I know we, I mentioned this previously, but it's really, really important that we validate how our children are feeling, even if we don't agree with that feeling. So when you're, for instance, when, so when your child is feeling upset, especially when their emotions may seem a bit on the dramatic side, which we know with toddlers, sometimes their emotions can go full blown into maybe like full tantrum. So it could be tempting for us to minimize how they're feeling, but dismissive comments or minimizing such as, oh, I don't know why you're so upset about that. It's just, you're, you're say we're almost in Halloween. So say your child's costume got a little tear, your Spider-Man costume. So something dismissive might be saying like something like, oh, I don't know why you're so upset. It's just a small tear. Why are you acting like that? Right? So that's being dismissive, but we really want to be validating and showing empathy. And it can sound like, oh, I can see you're upset. I'm sorry this happened. I'm sorry we got the little tear. And then just say, I'm, I'm here for you, right? So just that is going to make a big difference in how your child will, will respond. And because when your child sees that you understand how they're feeling on the inside, they'll feel less compelled to show you how they're feeling through their behavior. Also, another thing we can do as parents is modeling appropriate ways to express feelings. So as I was mentioned this previously, so we're our children's greatest models, right? So if we ourselves are having trouble expressing our feelings in a socially appropriate way, our small children will get that. They will learn that. They will see, oh, that is how I need to express my anger. For instance, I have to yell, I have to throw things, I have to. So they look at us on how we react to situations, especially hardships. If you're stuck in traffic or in this very just frustrating situation. So just be sure to, again, modeling how you're expressing your emotions, right? Just being careful with that. <laughs> and te teaching healthy coping mechanisms too. So this is something really, really neat because it, and if when we see our, our children using these coping skills, we will be so proud of them. And we need to teach them when they're regulated, not when they're uh, dysregulated right. and a full tantrum because that stage they're not listening, right? And so and it could be, for instance, learning how to take a few deep breaths 
when they're angry to calm their body down. A kid friend, there are lots of kid-friendly ways to teach this. It could involve, for instance, let's let's take some let's take some bubble breaths. So when they breathe through their nose and they blow through their mouth, like imagining if they're blowing through a bubble wand, or asking them if they have a if having imagined that they have a balloon in their belly that gets inflated and deflated as they're breathing. So there are several different techniques that we can use with, with kids to help them learn breathing, which is a great way to regulate. And having a calming cor corner in your house could also work. So calming corner, whenever we feel upset or we have a big emotions, include different sensory items there. You can have a coloring book, a favorite, a, a fav favorite music with a speaker, lotions, just items that can help your child in that moment regulate themselves. And lastly, just let's help our children develop problem-solving skills. Because after all the feelings have been labeled and addressed, it's time to work through how to fix the problem itself. So again, try to act as a coach rather than the actual problem solver, providing just guidance when necessary. And again, just try to incorporate all of this. I know we've talked about so much. And in your daily routine, just be aware, be cognizant of how of what you're doing in the moment, how I'm responding to situations. And remember that those little eyes are there, right? Those little ears are there next to you. And just because, again, it's a, it's a learning journey. It's a learning journey for them and also for, for us as, as parents. Beautifully said. And I think this is not just an extension of learning for children. I think adults can benefit from all of these learnings as well. I think we all need to do exactly this um, as we're teaching our own kids the concept of EQ and resilience. A heartful thank you to you, Leonor, for sharing such profound insights and practical strategies. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. I'm so happy to be here. So happy to be part of Ms. Hoppin. To our listeners, remember, resilience isn't about shielding our children from challenges, but equipping them with tools to navigate them confidently. For more resources, expert interviews, and a treasure trove of knowledge on child development, make your way to our app, Ms. Poppins. We're here to support you in every step of your parenting journey. And for tailored advice and interactive sessions, don't forget to explore our coach sessions on the app connect with child development experts, psychologists, and a community of parents, all committed to raising strong, resilient children. As we conclude this episode, let's remember that every challenge faced is an opportunity for growth. Until our next exploration into the vast landscape of child development, this is your host, Nikki, signing off from Unveiling a New View to Parenting. Stay empowered, stay informed, and keep nurturing with love and attention. Thank you.